uh, we've been in this series of parables. We're going to continue in the series throughout the summer. But uh, you know, we've we've learned some things that. Uh, who, who would just uh, just admit that some of the things you were taught, some of the things that you learned early in your life, were just wrong, and you have a bias towards that. Uh, we, we all have them. We all are experiencing them, if we're honest with ourselves. And what parables, what Jesus would do with the parables is, is he would use these uh, for those who would listen, those who would understand, those who would hear, uh, to help them overcome those biases that they had in their life. And so uh, this was just a way that he uh, would teach. Uh, he would do it very specifically with the Pharisees. Uh, and uh, Pastor Steve has brought out several times that he would use it to conceal as well as reveal. And the reason he would conceal things is because the, re- the reason that the, uh, the Pharisees were there were, were not to hear and understand or to listen and understand. They were there just to trap him in some, uh, some scheme of theirs to crucify him, to, uh, to run him out of town, to do something to him. And so uh, they were just listening for a soundbite. They, they were just listening for something that they could use out of context uh, that they could accuse him of. And, and I'm not going to throw stones at them because how many times do we do the same thing? We're just looking, listening for a soundbite and not a principle for change. And so, uh, you know, that's the, 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 the purpose of the parables. And, and the, the story we're going to look at today, uh, and many of the concordances, many of the different things, I didn't even classify this as a parable, and yet Peter asked the question to Jesus, hey, give us the, the meaning behind this parable. So it's obviously a parable if Peter asks what's the meaning behind the parable, but a lot of the, uh, the people don't even recognize this as a parable, which is interesting. And I think a lot of them don't recognize it as a parable because it's so basic. It's so simple. It's so easy. But how many times do we miss the basic and the easy our whole life? And it's not until somebody points it out that we actually get the principle behind the parable. And so that is where we're at this morning. The, the Jews are going to, again, once again, try to trap Jesus, uh, the, the Pharisees, uh, and uh, they're going to uh, try to catch him and uh, catch a sound bite. And it doesn't work because Jesus is smarter than they are, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, if you'll turn with me, Matthew chapter 15, or uh, turn, old, old school, uh, open up your digital Bible and look at Ma- Matthew chapter 15. It's, uh, we, we, the parable is actually down in verses 10 and 11. We'll read those real quick. But you've got to have the background to understand the parable. Uh, Matthew 15, 10 says this, Jesus called the crowd to him. He just simply uh, looked at the Pharisees and said, I'm done with you. He looked at the crowd and said, hey, y'all come here. Uh, he says, listen and understand, which we'll talk about that in a minute. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And so that's the parable. Uh, and you, you say, well, that's not much of a parable. We'll get to that. It, 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 there's, there's so many things in this, this story that are so simple that you would think that they would get it, but they don't. And so we've got to back up in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus They came from Jerusalem and they asked him, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. How many of you got kids? Why do they break the tradition? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And so it's interesting. Uh, They actually say something very clear here. Why do they break the tradition of the elders? Who's the focus of that? The elders. You ever, you ever heard somebody say, we've always done it that way? We'll get to that. Uh, but they're, they're more interested uh, in their traditions. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, the tradition that they're referring to is actually based upon a command of God that God gave them in the uh, Exodus, 
uh, where he taught, uh, showed them how to build a basin uh, and put the basin between the tent and the altar. And he said every time the, uh, the priests will come, they need to ceremonially cleanse their hands and their feet. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But they took something that should point them to God, and they used it to point to themselves. And man, we ought to listen to that. Because there's so much of our life that we should be pointing people to God, and we're pointing them to ourselves. And so there's more to this parable than meets the eye. There's more here than just, just this simple thing. But here's the thing. When we miss the basics, everything after it is flawed. And, and, and they're coming after Jesus, and they're saying, why do, they, why do your disciples do this? And, and it's interesting. Uh, the, the law that they're pointing to is a relationship law between them and God. But they've turned it into a relationship law between them and others. And so Jesus says, I'm not even going to address the relationship between you and God. I'm going to do it in a, in, a, in a concealed manner. But I'm going to just address the relationship between you and the people. And so he says in verse 3, and Jesus replied. He said, okay, so why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. And so this is actually the first commandment with a promise. In, in the Big Ten, Jesus, or God says, honor your father and your mother so that it may be well with you. And so he's going to address something that they've again twisted and turned it to themselves instead of turning it to God. And so uh, he goes on and he says, But you say to, that if anyone declares what they might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, or it's called a Corbin, is devoted to God, they're not uh, to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Isn't it interesting that uh, two things that uh, God created to point us to him, man has created to point us to them. It's just interesting how we twist and, and tangle and, and deceive. And, and, and this whole idea of Corbin was if you had something and you wanted to dedicate it to God, you could take it to the priest and say, this is dedicated to God. I'm going to use this for the purpose of my worship to God. Great thing. But then the, the Jewish leaders realized that, hey, if we get them to dedicate what they would have honored their parents with and give it to us instead... We get more money. It's a greed thing. It's also a greed thing from the, uh, from the children because uh, some of the children, they, they, don't raise your hands. How many of you have parents that, you know, maybe aren't worth being honored? You know, they, they just weren't very nice to you. They just weren't very helpful for you. They just weren't very, we don't get an out in the Ten Commandments. God says, honor your father and your mother, but, you know, as, as people would have it, you know, my parents weren't real nice to me, maybe I won't be real nice to them, maybe I'll dedicate this to the Lord, they could keep it as a living sacrifice, but then the Jewish leadership, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees would say, but you, you cannot use that for your parents at this point. My, what a loophole not very honoring. And so uh, Jesus looks at him and says, so why is it that you break God's command for your traditions? Ouch, right? I mean, like, like that's, that, should, that should cause a sting. That should cause some pain. That should uh, cause some, uh, uh, something that inside of us just, just goes, you know, ooh, that's just not right. 
but they don't get it. He also goes from there and he says, he connects them with Isaiah who said, uh, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You ever heard the, the term lip service? wonder where it came from. It actually came from Isaiah. How many has ever, uh, I, I, my granddaughters are in here. I love you girls, but I'm going to use you for a minute. I didn't know they were going to be in here. My, my granddaughters, and maybe you can relate to this, I'll, I'll uh, tell them to do something. I won't say what it is, but you know, whatever it is, I'll tell them to do something. And my granddaughters have been taught, rightfully so, Ashley, I'm not picking on you, rightfully so. It's part of training. We'll get to that in a minute. It's part of training. You'll tell them to do something, and they will respond, yes, sir. And then they will turn around and do exactly what you told them not to do. Anybody with me? That's lip service, right? As a child, what do, we, what do we expect? We expect some lip service because they're learning, they're growing, they're, they're maturing, right? Once they get old enough to know right from wrong, what do we expect? Heart service. And so Isaiah looked at the Jewish leaders generations before now, and he said, you guys are doing nothing but giving God lip service because your hearts are far from him. Now we're generations later, and where are we at? The same exact place. It, 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 nothing has changed. They're just simply going through the motions. They're, they're just simply uh, just doing what they've always done and getting what they've always gotten. Insanity. Right? It, it, it just, it, it's just, just going. You know, I had a conversation recently with somebody, and, and they said, you know, one of the things that Pastor Steve and, and you had, had said in the past is, you know, it, it, you're just checking off a box. It's Sunday. What do we do on Sunday? We go to church. Click, click. It's Monday. What do we do on Monday? We go to work. Click, click. It's Tuesday. What do we do? We go to work. Click, click. And we just go through the motions. We're just checking the boxes. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is, is, is we got to stop checking the boxes. There's more to this than that. And so, he, he, you know, it's almost like he's talking to the Pharisees this way. And he gets done talking to them because they don't have anything. I mean, just, just face it. If Jesus said this to you, what would you say? Yeah, that. So it's like he gets done talking to them, and he looks around, and there's a, there's a crowd there, and he says, hey, hey, why don't you all, all come here? Why, why don't you guys all come here? And then he says this, listen and understand. Pastor Steve, a couple of weeks ago, talked about uh, a, uh, let me get this right, uh, a pattern disrupt. In one of his parables, he gives a name of Lazarus, uh, one of the characters a name Lazarus, and that's not his normal. It's always just a, a man, a woman, uh, a scribe. A fr- it's just always somebody. Never Here, we see a different pattern disrupt. The parable always comes first, and then the command comes after it. For those who have ears, let them hear. Right? That's, I mean, just about every parable. Parable first, story first. Now, if you have ears, go chew on this, contemplate this, think about this, see if you come up with the right principle. That, that's always the, the way it goes, or the majority of the time. Here is totally different. It's just, it's, all right, so I'm a very sarcastic individual, so I read sarcasm into this just straight up. So it's as if he says this to these guys, and he's so frustrated with them, he's like, all right, all right, all right, just come in here. This is so simple. This, is, this, is, this shouldn't even be an issue, but apparently it's an issue. So y'all come in here, listen real close, and now listen and understand. 
Because I know all you guys got ears, and all you guys are capable of hearing and understanding this, unlike those guys. The command comes in the beginning, not at the end. And the parable is so simple. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Now, I'm going to read my paraphrase. The Pharisees want you to worry about what goes in. They should be worried about what's coming out. Everything they're spewing is just lies. It's just falsities. It's just, just crap. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's just dung, which is the parable. We'll get to that in a minute. But on down, he gives us... Uh, this understanding. So this is where the clip comes in. I've purposely left the clip out. Um, so you, you see Hiccup. If you've never seen uh, How to Train Your Dragon, you should watch it. I don't care how old or young you are. It's a great movie. And there are tons of things in there that relate to life. So Hiccup's here. He doesn't want to fight dragons. Here's this book, uh, this picture book. And it's got all these pictures in it. And, and I'm sure when they first put it down, like the, the empty page, the, the night fury, it's a blank page. And what's it start out with at the end? A picture. A picture. And then over time, words get added to the picture. I thought about this this week. You know, a picture's worth a thousand words. Only if you know the intention of the author. A picture's worth a thousand words only if you know the intention of the author or the artist. You could have a thousand words and they're all wrong, right? And so Hiccup has this book and he's reading through this book and and everything is death and destruction, kill on sight, kill on sight, kill on sight, kill on sight. And then you got this blank page and he's like, they know nothing about the Night Fury. But I'm discovering a lot about the Night Fury, right? Then he goes through all these things he's learning about the Night Fury and and in the very last seen he says everything we know about you is wrong everything we know about you is wrong and 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 i want to relate it to what jesus had just said to these pharisees he he just scolded them in his way and he turns around and he looks at the people and he says now listen and understand everything that they're telling you about my father is wrong from the very first picture. The the very first picture that he refers to is this this ceremonial cleansing, this ceremonial washing. Uh, That's the very first picture that the the Pharisees bring to Jesus. They they fail to follow the traditions of, of us. They refuse to wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus is looking at them and said, you got a picture, but you don't understand the principle. My father never cared about the dirt on your hands or your feet. That was just a picture, an illustration of the relationship that he wanted with you. In order for you to come to him, you have to have a clean heart. You see, your hands and your feet are the things that touch this earth on a daily basis. And the things that touch this earth on a daily basis cannot come before God and be clean. And so he says, here's here's a picture. Before you come to the sacrificial altar, you clean your hands and your feet as a representation of a clean heart before me. And they never got it. And for generations, they've, they've added to it pictures that have no meaning in a relationship with Jesus. 
They have no, relation, no meaning in a relationship with God. They have everything in a relationship with those scribes and the Pharisees because it's now their traditions and not God's relationship. And so uh, we do the same thing, don't we? Uh, think about this. You have a young child. I have my granddaughters in here. You have, you have kids or you have granddaughters or you've been a kid. How many remember, remember the picture books? You start, there's a little baby back there. Soon they're going to start showing that little baby pictures. And they're going to say, this is a doggy. What if, what if they told the baby that a giraffe was a doggy? Or they told the baby that the triangle was a circle? Or if they told the baby some other lie? What would that baby grow up to think? Everything in that picture book is wrong. But we don't do that, do we? We show the baby all these pictures. And as they grow a little bit, we add words to the pictures to match what we have been telling them. This is a red ball. You see, red, R-E-D, red ball, B-A-L-L. And we go through this. And as they grow, we, we teach them how to read. But more than that, we teach them how to make decisions. We teach them principles behind what they're doing. If we're good parents, we do. You know, you brush your teeth. Why do you brush your teeth? Well, so they don't fall out of your head. Pretty accurate, right? Why else do you brush your teeth so you stay healthier? Bad teeth lead to bad health. And so we teach them, if we're, if we're smart, we teach them principles behind the pictures so that they can understand and grow, right? But if we start off with a bad picture and a bad principle, what does that lead to them in their life? Everybody needs to go to deal with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Right? That's where we all are, whether we, whether we do that or not. We, we should be doing that, right? And so uh, the, the, the problem is the Jewish leaders had missed the connection from the beginning. When you can't figure out the basic relationship with Jesus or with God, you'll struggle in your relationship with those he brings into your path. When you can't figure out your basic relationship with him, you'll struggle with every one of them. And we're going to see that in, this, in this, the rest of this. It, it, it reminded me, as I, was, as I was reading through this, it, re, it took me to the very beginning of his ministry. This is towards the end of his ministry. This is two and a half years, almost three years, almost to the crucifixion. And in the very beginning of his ministry, remember what he did in the very beginning? He, he sat everybody down and he began teaching them. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he says these words. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. You've heard it said that if you commit murder, you should be put to death. But I say unto you, if you're even angry with your brother or your sister to the point that you want to murder them, you're guilty of sin. You see, the picture that, the, that, the, that was taught to them was if you if you physically committed this act, you're guilty of sin. And what Jesus was saying is you've missed the principle. If you've even played it out in your heart, played it out in your mind, played it out in your soul, you're guilty of this act. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say to you, if you looked on a woman with lust, or if you looked on a man with lust, or if you looked on anybody with any, uh, any ill contempt at all, you're guilty of adultery. You've heard it said, but I say unto you, You've been given a picture, but your picture is skewed because it doesn't include the principle. And now here at the end of his ministry, what does he say? 
You have this picture that you must wash your hands and, and before you eat, but I'm telling you there's more to it than just washing your hands. Because what you eat has nothing to do with your defilement. You don't think so? Sorry, Macy, I'm going to use you again. Macy over there, as, as long as I can remember, and I'm not joking, as soon as she could crawl, this little girl would pick stuff off your feet and eat it. And I am not even kidding. I'm sitting in Newport News one day, couch watching TV, and I, got my, I always wear flip-flops, and I feel this little scratch. I'm like, what in the world? I don't pay no attention to it until I look down, and she has peeled something off the bottom of my flip-flop and put it in her mouth. We went to Dairy Queen one day, I came home, and her mom, Ashley, asked me, hey, did you give her some gum? I don't have no gum. I'm telling you, Macy doesn't get sick. What goes in her doesn't defile her. What hangs on her might kill you. She's my little carrier. But it's a good example. It's, it's not what goes in you that defiles you. Now understand, they struggled with this, and we'll see that in a minute. They struggled with this concept because they haven't been taught all their life. Wash your hands. You can only eat certain things. You can't touch this. You can't touch that. This, 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 this. But here's the thing. They had a picture, but they had the wrong principle, and that's what Jesus is going to address. A picture with the wrong principle will never lead us to a good relationship. Matthew 15, 12 through 14. Then the disciples came to Jesus and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Do you think? I wonder whether they even got it. Obviously they did because they asked the question. There had to be some kind of uh, expression, some kind of uh, furiousness. But uh, Jesus refers to a previous parable. He says, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. We saw this before. The weeds and the tares, the weeds were pulled out. What, what happened to the weeds? They were thrown into the pits of hell. Right? He's looking at the disciples and going, hey, you guys should figure this out by now. He's literally, he's looking at them and said, I told you this parable already. They, they're going to be plucked up and they're going to be thrown away. But if you don't get that, then, then uh, let, me, let me give you another picture. <laughs> I want you to grasp the picture that he gives them and think about it for a moment. Leave them. In other words, leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into what? A pit. Will a blind person ever see a picture? Physically see a picture? No. It's interesting that Jesus uses this analogy. It's interesting that he goes to the site which I believe he's looking back at, at, at the Exodus and saying, my father gave you a picture, but because you're so blind, you can't see the picture, you're just going to walk your way into hell. And here's what he's telling the crowd. Remember he started this out by saying, hey, you guys, come here, come here. I know you're smarter than those guys are, so listen and understand. He doesn't even ask them if you have ears. He just literally tells them, listen and understand. And he says, if you're so dull of listening... If you're so blind like they are, 
then when they fall off in the pit, you're going to be right behind them walking with them. That's pretty harsh. So it's almost like Jesus doubles down. Hey, they were offended. They weren't offended yet. Now they're offended, right? That's almost what what he's coming across is... Here, I wrote this down. Unless you're willing to listen and understand and accept correction, you'll always be offended when your, we've always done it that way, is addressed. Unless you're willing to listen and understand, hear and contemplate and chew on, you'll always be offended when your, whatever it is, we've always done it that way, is addressed. That's where they're at. Matthew 15, uh, 15 to 20, Peter said, (laughs) Peter, I love Peter. i got to be quick here. I don't need to be long here, but i got to be quick here. Uh, Peter, explain this to us. I'm sarcastic, and I just want to look and think Jesus goes, what don't you understand? Right? You know, just back across his face. But he says, are you still so stupid, so dull, Jesus asked him, don't you see that whatever enters your mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart, and these things defile them. That word defile literally means you're polluted, you're, you're unholy, you're, it's, it's a worthless event that comes out of you. It's, it's, just, it's, it's like my granddaughter chewing on somebody else's gum. That's just disgusting. That's, that's the word Defile. These things come out of a person's heart. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Evil thoughts always precede evil actions. What you think usually comes out in what you do. You don't think so, get into an event that there's a stressful time where you've got to make a snap decision. That would be a reality of who you might really be. What's really in your heart. If we got time to think and, and do and, and, and put the filters on, those are good things. We should be doing that all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But in a snap decision, you usually act out of who you really are. I'll leave that there. The short answer for Jesus' question, are you still so dull? Yeah. Yep, he addresses it here. He addresses it three more times in Acts chapter 10 with Peter. Uh, you know, the story, you know, Peter's uh, sleeping up on a, on a rooftop and he has this dream and uh, for three times uh, animals come down and, and whatever I've called clean, don't call unclean. I can't eat that, I can't eat that. Anyway, it, he's very dull. He's very slow. In fact, uh, Peter will struggle with this for years to come. That's how powerful an erroneous principle, that's the grip that it can have on your life. Wrong picture, wrong principle could last a lifetime. What you eat doesn't make you defiled, unclean, impure, polluted. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Jesus goes through, through six things here. Um, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. Those are the first three things that he says in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. Very first three things. The other three and those first three follow real closely to the six of the big ten. The last one is, quite, is slightly different, but they follow really closely to all the horizontal relationship issues with mankind. 
You see, Jesus said, what's the, ask him, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What's the second? Love his people the way he loves you. So out of these two, all the laws hang on. They come to him with an erroneous picture of who Jesus, or who God really is and the relationship that he wants. And so he goes to where they are, to the horizontal relationship, and then he be- just waylays them right there. He says, out of your heart will show who you really are. If you can't love the people that God placed in your heart, you obviously don't love God. There's a whole lot more to this parable than meets the eye. You see, because out of our hearts flow the principles that we believe about God. So out of our hearts will either flow a relationship with God that we, that we can enjoy for all eternity, that we demonstrated with all the people places in our, that God places in our path, or the relationship that we fail to have with God will be demonstrated with all the people he places in our path. I don't know about you, I, just a question. As you go through this week, I, I just ask you to ask God to show you the pictures that you have and the principles behind them. And as David would say, search me, O God, and if there's any way in me that's not according to you, may you give me the new picture and the right principle that I might show people my relationship with you that they might have it too. Father, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you love us the way that you do. Thank you that you love us so much to turn your back on the religious right and face us head on and just tell us to listen and understand. God, you want more than anything to have a relationship with us that we can find joy in today that we can find joy in tomorrow, that we can find hope and healing and health. But God, it's not just for us. It's for everyone you place in our path. And So Father, might we be receptive. Might we listen and understand what you're trying to communicate to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.